0: From baseball's top personalities. The
1: Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Casas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. You just about it at lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> <laughs> you insane. This is A's Unfiltered
0: with Chris Townsend.
1: Chris Townsend with another edition of A's Unfiltered, but here, our colleague, Jessica Kleinschmidt, we're going to hear her interviews that she's done for A's Total Access, our pregame show. You're going to hear from Paul Blackburn, John Jaskrimski from The Ringer, Kennedy Landry, Rangers beat writer, and our own Brian Johansson from Last Dive Bar. But we'll start with Polly Wendy, the all-star, Paul Blackburn. Jessica
2: Kleinschmidt here as Ace Total Access rolls on, joined by starting pitcher Paul Blackburn, Polly B. Thank you for joining me today, how's it going?
3: I'm doing great, thank you for having me.
2: I wanna tell you, I told my producer Polly B was joining me and he said, Paul Blackburn, I was like, I don't know how, how many other Pauly B's there are, so I I'm kind of upset that there isn't just you but you know it's really been a pleasure watching you this season and your unique pitcher where you're not doing it with a ton of velocity I feel like that was what people are expecting from pitchers you are utilizing some of your specialty pitches without all that velocity and I'm curious what can you kind of mark as the success that's been helping you
3: yeah, I feel like this year I've used my curveball a lot more than I have in the past. Um, just being able to generate swing and misses has given me confidence with it uh, just moving forward throughout the whole year. Um, and I also feel like just being able to, to move my fastball around. Um, you know, usually in the past, I've kind of just pitched towards the bottom of the zone and kind of taken away uh, the upper half of the zone. And this year I've, I've pitched more at the top and I feel like it's just helped all my pitches.
2: Do you think... Pitching toward the top of the zone, how did you realize that that's what a lot of hitters were going to be going toward as far as a lot of that swing and miss?
3: Yeah, that's, that's just kind of where the game, I feel like, is going now. Um, you know, you see a lot of guys getting to that low pitch and elevating the low pitch. Um, and and they've, you know, what what used to be kind of like the top of the zone where guys would elevate balls at to the top, it's kind of turned into the bottom of the zone now. Um, so just being able to, to recognize that and – uh just being able to attack the top part um where you know guys guys see it up and they try to elevate it and you know misses their bat or they hit it straight up and or whatever it may be and also being able to you know throw in a lot of sinkers and then being able to throw a seam in there gives them a different look um that's kind of like surprising to them like you said the velo might not be there but just just the play on eyes that it has for hitters um surprises them enough to to create some soft contact
2: yeah it's definitely showing you some success and some words that were really that were spoken about you recently from a legend terry francona the cleveland guardians manager he was watching you and said you were pitching like a veteran what's it like hearing those words from a guy like that
3: um you know it's very i mean it's awesome you know you know he's been around the league for for a very long time uh won one world championships he's He's had a lot of very, very good starting pitchers um, on his staff and just being able to, to kind of hear that from, from somebody on the outside that honestly probably has no clue who I even am um, <laughs> up to that point. Um, it's very it's very cool, cool to hear.
2: You mentioned he made me not know who you are, but you know last year you were this guy going back and forth from here in AAA. Now you're kind of becoming more well known as far as you are in my eyes. What's that transition been like from where you were back then until now?
3: Um, honestly, there hasn't like as far as me like transition or transforming it uh, from the pitching side of things. Like, I don't feel like there's there's really been much that's changed as far as like stuff wise goes. I feel like a lot of it is just just being able to kind of like settle in here and like feel feel as if like I'm part of this here and just being able to go out there and. And have a sense of just belief that I belong here. Um, you know, in the past, like you said, I've been up and down, up and down. And every time I've came up, I've I've added a lot of pressure on myself, just trying to show everybody that I belong here and that I can pitch here. And I feel like that's just hurt me in the long run. So coming into this year, I really focused on just going out there and, and focus on stuff that I can control and and not really worrying about you know having other people think I belong here or not. Just just. Hitchhike and pitch, and you know whatever happens happens.
2: And I've talked to you a couple times about your ability to not think so much, and it sounds simple. And I feel like I've talked to a lot of hitters and pitchers who, if they don't think too much, really good things happen. How are you able to kind of get rid of some of that noise in your head that every athlete kind of deals with?
3: Yeah, um, you know, you kind of look at us from like when stuff's going good, when when everything's going really good, you're not. You're not sitting there, and you're not watching a lot of film. You're not sitting there thinking about your outings as as much as you do, like when it goes bad, and just kind of taking a step back from that. You know, when when things are going really bad, you sit there and you you kind of search. You search for what's going wrong. You search how to get out of it, and usually that leads you just farther and farther down and down the rabbit hole. And for me, it's it's just been it's just been not not really allowing myself to do that. I've thought so much the last four or five years that. You know it's it's just done a toll on me mentally and this year coming in it's you know i've i've kind of gone through everything i've gone from being dfa'd you know i've gone from being a guy that's up and down like you know i made my team this year for made the team this year for the first time and just being able to kind of just i guess relax out there and you know whatever like i said whatever happens happens i'd rather go out there and 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 lose lose as them beating me and not me beating myself and a lot of that comes with kind of thinking when you overthink something a lot of times you're beating yourself there because you're, you're when you overthink you're putting somewhat negative thoughts in your head um, and for me it's just the, the less you can think out there the the more free and more easy and the more confident you're going to be.
2: You're talking to the queen of overthinking so that's dope but I, the thing I'm actually curious about and we're actually sitting next to James and I bugged him about it was the success? Like, do you ever feel, and I kind of asked you this, you know, with all this recognition that you're getting, your whether it's your ERA numbers and if you're able to be attached to those, do you ever feel like you can take a step back and be like, wow, like I'm actually, I kind of made it?
3: No, uh, no, I don't. Um, I don't know. It's weird. Like once you get in the business, like it's kind of all, you know, like baseball's all kind of all, you know, and I've been around these guys for, you know, the last six years. You know, some of them I played with in Vegas. Some of them I played with them here. Um, and it's just a comfort. Like it's just a comfort level here with with guys. You you know, you build a relationship with guys. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to kind of be yourself and, and just kind of come in and be relaxed. And like I don't. You know, as far as like numbers and stuff go, I don't. I don't sit back and really think about it. You know, I, I try to break up the season. You know, in, in ten inning spurts. I feel like. You know, sometimes when, when stuff when you get off a rocky start you you try to you try to chase numbers or when stuff's going bad you try to chase numbers and you try to be perfect out there and that's when you know you realize that your numbers aren't aren't getting any better you know and I try to break it down and into like a 10 inning a 10 inning span for me where it's like okay good or bad for 10 innings and then on to my next 10 inning 10 inning stint where you can you can break it up instead of it being like oh like this is this is what I am for 180 to 200 innings whatever it may be
2: Before I let you go, I've noticed you're very selfless. And I know as a pitcher, sometimes you feel like you're by yourself out there. But when you do have a tough outing, one of the things you always say is, you know, I feel like I let my teammates down. And you were just talking about your teammates. You kind of lit up. Like, what's the relationship and how special is it to be with these guys? I mean, you guys have been to the trenches together where you want to refer to that as AAA or what have you. But you guys are up here and you can just see it in the dugout.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, everyone up here, that's, you know, that's one thing I love about, love about Oakland here is that our clubhouse is unbelievable. The guys that they bring in here are, are guys that are selfless. They're guys that don't have egos. They're guys that are pulling for everybody in every situation. And just the bond that we have, it's, it's a very special bond over here. Um, and it allows people to kind of come in and, and just fit right in and be themselves. And I feel like that's, that's where you get the, the most out of people here. Uh, in this game is just people being able to, to come in every day and just be the person that they are. Um, you know, when people are walking around on eggshells or they don't really feel comfortable, that's when guys start playing tense and, you know, where a little little mistake here or there might, might turn into something big. Um, but, yeah, just being able to come in here and, and see be around the same guys every day and guys that I have relationships with, it's, and it's, it's very special.
2: Holly B., thank you for your time.
3: Thank you very much.
1: And now here is John Jastrimski from The Ringer.
2: Thanks, Tony Jessica klein here as A's Total Access rolls on. Now He's the host of New York, New York podcast. You've seen him on SNY. John Dostromsky joins me today. John, thanks for stopping by.
4: Jess, my pleasure. I mean, it's not exactly 2000, 2001, or even 2018 with Yankees and A's, but I mean, I see those fabulous uniforms. The A's are rocking at Yankee Stadium last <laughs> night. Brings me back to a lot of nostalgic childhood memories with these two teams matching up.
2: Yeah. And we kind of talked about it last night. We always love a Kelly green Jersey, but I want to walk everyone through your, my conversation last night. I invited you on the show when the A's were up earlier in the game, five to one. Now, by the time I started prepping for this show, the game had ended. It was nine to five. We know what happened. So it was very much a roller coaster of emotions. And you and I have talked about these two teams going up against each other. The Yankees will randomly lose a series to the A's. And last night it seemed simple, but when these two teams go at it, it's always an interesting battle.
4: Yeah, especially when they play in Oakland. I mean, historically speaking, Jess, the the Yankees never play well in that building for whatever the reason. And I was a little fearful of this series just because the Yankees are coming off Four very emotional games with the Houston Astros, and I think we're eventually on a collision course for the Yankees and the Astros matching up at some point in the postseason. So it's the idea of over the course of 162, how do you ramp it up and make sure that you're where you need to be against an ace team that's been struggling this year? And Montgomery got off to a rocky start, and the Yankees fell behind early, but that's kind of been their calling card. All year, Jets, they were very underachieving last year. I know they won 90 games. They were the worst 90-win team I've ever seen. Their fundamentals stunk. They didn't run the bases. They didn't play defense. And they got exposed in the postseason. This team's never out of a game. They're doing the little things. I know they don't show up in a box score, but they're doing the little things that are the difference between, you know, being a playoff-caliber team And dare I say a championship caliber team. Yankees got an factor about them this year.
2: Yeah. And I want to talk to you about that. Now, nobody's ever actually sleeping on the Yankees. And we know that. But that seventh inning with six hits yesterday, it shows just how relentless this team is. And I believe there's 23 comebacks when comeback wins this season, most in MLB. You mentioned some of these little things. What are some of those little things that could contribute to some of that relentlessness?
4: Well, they got a lot of dog in them. I think Garrett Cole said that about a week or two ago. It's a great quote. I totally agree. Um they've added more grinders to their team. Just like a year ago, the Yankees felt like they had a bunch of middle linebackers mm-hmm. up and down the lineup and putting a value on base running and defense and putting the ball in play. It makes a world of difference. Like guys can feed off of And at bat that you're going to get from DJ LeMayu or Anthony Rizzo. And I know Josh Donaldson has not put up big numbers Mm -hmm. with the Yankees, but I do believe the sort of intensity that he has brought to the clubhouse has changed things. And the pitching staff has been off the charts and the presence of Jose Trevino Mm -hmm. and what Matt Blake, their pitching coach, have been able to do. And I think in many ways, addition by subtraction, trading Gary Sanchez to the Minnesota twins has taken some guys to the next level.
2: Yeah. And, and I love that. And I love that Garrett Cole quote, not a quote I would think would come from him. And of course the A's are very familiar with what Josh Donaldson does. Um, Always a, a guy that I think was always overlooked. So I'm glad he's finding somewhat some success. He played a pivotal role in last night's game as well. A guy that we always are talking about, this is a universal guy, and that's Aaron Judge. We know he went through an arbitration hearing recently. We don't know how much longer he will be a Yankee should these things not work out. But let's talk about this monetary value attached to this guy. Should he ever part ways? Does that number even exist for a guy of that caliber? And how much money is he even worth?
4: Well, you think about it, Jess. They offered him the contract before the start of the year. And I thought it was a fair contract, full disclosure, from the Yankees. He's coming off a great year, but he's a big guy. You know what happens when you hit the north side at 31, 32, and he's a bigger dude, so you wonder how his body is going to hold up over six, over seven, over eight years. So that contract comes out. Aaron Judge basically said, hey, guess what? Not good enough for me. Mm. I'm betting on myself. Well, so far, he's been the AL MVP. He's been – as clutch as can be. He's got a ton of walk-offs. He's got a ton of big hits. And I think the Yankees basically have no choice. Just, they have to pay him. He's the the face of the franchise. You see all around New York city, all around the Bronx, the 99 t-shirts, the 99 jerseys. They got the judges chambers out in right field. And he is just so marketable for the Yankee brand. They can't lose him now. Do I think they're probably going to regret giving judge a seven and eight, a nine year contract on the back half of it? Yeah, probably. I mean, find me the eight or the nine year contract that usually works out. It doesn't normally work out when you're talking about guys North the 30, but the Yankees have no choice. They have a win-now team. They have a championship caliber team. He's the face of the franchise. I think he's going to be the next captain. If he stays here, and I get it. The Dodgers have a ton of money. The giants are looking for a star. The Mets now with uncle Stevie Cohen is spending money like crazy. But when do the Yankees lose out on a player when they really want him? I, I, I they lost Robinson Cano, but in all fairness, just they really didn't want to resign Robinson Cano. They kind of gave him a half hearted offer. I don't think that's the case with judge. I think it'll be a Yankee.
2: And I, and I agree. And it, it makes you think because when guys go to free agency, And they want those, those huge contracts, the high AAV, the longevity, the Yankees are usually who they're thinking of. So who else could be better to equipped to have a guy like that? I'm right there with you. The stuff that's not even on the baseball reference page, he brings to the table. And I think it's awesome. Um, we've been Matt Carpenter's all of a sudden on the Yankees, like what's going on now. The dude just goes from chilling, like sitting on his couch to now he's hitting six home runs in his first 10 games. I believe it's the first time a Yankee has ever done that. What has he brought? What kind of a boost has he brought to this team?
4: It is a wild story. There's no doubt. And I, full disclosure, always loved Matt Carpenter when Uh he was a St. Louis Cardinal. Like he's my kind of baseball player. He's got like the pine tar on the helmet. He's got that lefty swing. He's clutch. He's a grinder. He's a gamer. Like I can't get enough of Matt Carpenter. But the end of his Cardinal career, he looked like a guy who was totally shot. To your point. He's in the minor leagues for the Texas Rangers. Not exactly, not exactly lighting the world on fire. The Yankees take a flyer. He's had a ton of big hits and I think he's got winning intangibles that he has brought to this team. And Oh, by the way, a super cool mustache that I may try to break out at some point. I don't know if they'll put me on television. I, I think my future wife may divorce me before we even get to the altar. If I try growing it, but it's, Kind of something that the Yankees have embraced, Jess. You know, the idea that, like, you know, they got the stash, they got grinders, they got gamers. They were not a likable team last year from a fans perspective. They are super likable. And mark my words, a guy like Carpenter may have another big hit or two coming his way, not only in the regular season, but he's a guy that I think they'll use as a weapon off the bench come October.
2: And I agree. I feel like having a veteran presence is always going to help you in a postseason scenario, not to mention how clutch he can be off the bench. And John, I think you should rock the mustache for the future wife. I don't know. I I
4: mean, she'll deal with it for a few weeks. I'll do it. Like I said, as long as the Yankees are in the playoffs, well, because uh, I can grow the beard. I can I can grow a decent beard. The stashes look I never thought I'd pull off Jess, but I think I'm inspired by Nesta Cortez and Matt Carpenter. What can I say?
2: Yeah, if she can love you through that, she can probably love you through anything. Um, A struggling Joey Gallo. Now he's an A's killer, and we all know that the shift exists. We're glad he's no longer in the AL West, but he's only batting 169 right now, certainly riding that struggle bus. I want him to succeed when he's not playing the A's, but is there any indication as to why he's struggling and how are are fans reacting to him now that he's wearing pinstripes and putting up those numbers?
4: Jess, you know New York is a very demanding place when you got to deal with people like me. Um, And the Yankee fan is not in love with Joey Gallo. Look, his game is flawed from a standpoint of he's an all or nothing type guy. And you had to expect that bringing him in, but he's easy to pitch to. He's striking out way too much. Yeah, the shift has hurt him from time to time. He missed a foul home run yesterday, hit a line drive right at somebody. But when you're hitting one under 170, for goodness sakes, yeah. and it's late June, when the Yankees are talking about what their best lineup is going to look like come October, I don't see that lineup with Joey Gallo being a part of it. I know the Yankees gave up a lot to get him last year, but I'm cutting my losses. Like I would find a team that's desperate for power mm-hmm. that maybe can roll the dice and hope that he can get hot over a few weeks. I don't think Joey Gallo is comfortable being in New York. I think the pressure has clearly gotten to him. We've seen that with guys. Like there are yeah. just certain dudes that have it within them to handle New York. Like Anthony Rizzo is one of those guys. He's comfortable being here. Sonny Gray, not comfortable being yeah. Bingo, he's just not a New York guy. It just didn't work out for him. I think Gallo can go and flourish somewhere else. It's not going to be here with the Yankees. I think he's off this team by the end of July.
2: I was just going to ask you come trade deadline. Joey Gallo may not be in a Yankee uniform and it could be a change of scenery scenario. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, So hopefully he can find success elsewhere. But like I said, we've seen what he's capable of when you don't see his numbers, you see Gallo in that lineup. You're like, damn, that possesses a lot of power, but Him aside, we mentioned Judge. Obviously, we know John Carlos Stanton. You mentioned Trevino. He's been killing it. Who's a guy that maybe we're not talking about enough who's adding to to the success of this team?
4: Jess, I'm going to give you two guys. One I briefly mentioned, Anthony Rizzo, who they got from the Chicago Cubs. He's one of a few players on his team that won a World Series championship. And I think his presence, being in that three spot in the order, splitting up Judge and John Carlos Stanton, has made those two big boppers that much more potent and Rizzo's had so many big hits he's playing unbelievable defense at first base he's a flat out winner and there are certain guys that are just like born to be Yankees Mm -hmm. Anthony Rizzo is born to be Yankees so he's one the other guy and I got to give him love because I think he's an all-star and he's got all sorts of he's got all sorts of funk he's got all sorts of flair how about what Nesta Cortez has brought to that starting rotation coming out of nowhere the Yankees DFAD him. He's bouncing around with Seattle and the Orioles and the Yankees bring him back. He pitched well for him last year, but he's one of the best starting pitchers in the American League, for goodness sake. So Anthony Rizzo and Nestor Cortez, two guys that to me deserve some love.
2: What are some of his fellow pitchers, like the Garrett Coles of the world, saying about what Nestor's doing?
4: Oh, well, they can't get enough. And I think he's such a good compliment, just because. His pitching style is, it's throwback. He's not throwing the ball 95, 96, 97 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And it's about deception and the funky looks and the arm angles. And it's the definition of a crafty lefty. And when you can throw that into a rotation that has a flamethrower in Garrett Cole, a flamethrower in Luis Severino, who's all the way back. And he dealt with a lot of injuries over the last couple of years. And then you have Jordan Montgomery, who's pitched well, not last night, but for the most part has pitched yeah. well. And Jamison Tyon, who now is comfortable being in New York. He is feeding off his former Pittsburgh Pirate teammate, Garrett Cole, and he's going to be cashing in for a big payday next year, which I don't think is going to come from the Yankees. But you know, you come off a year where you pitch well, you're going to get $90, million if you're a starting pitcher. So yeah, the Yankee rotation as a whole, it's got different looks. It's got different, like, feels and vibes and all that sort of stuff. But it's been the best rotation in the American League so far this year.
2: Yeah. And I'm glad you kind of mentioned not having everybody with all this velocity. As time's gone on, we see 100 mile an hour pitchers or a dime a dozen, but they're very popular right now. And to have a guy coming out and working on his funky stuff and his specialty pitches, maybe not doing all those velocity numbers is is great to see well john you've been absolutely phenomenal this was a lot of fun and hopefully we can continue this fun little back and forth between the a's and the yankees maybe we'll have a decent game tonight
3: i'm
4: looking forward to it uh i actually think the a's will be in this one montez guy who is pitching his rear end off and he might get the oakland a's a whole lot that's one team i don't trade with jess you (laughs) learned that over the years you don't trade with the rays and you don't trade with the oakland a's thanks for having me on and Sorry for all the Yankee love, but when a 30-something games over 500, it's kind
1: of tough to find negative attributes. Just saying. Let's talk a little Rangers baseball with Kennedy Landry, who covers the Rangers from MLB.com.
2: Jessica Klein-Schmidt here as A's Total Access rolls on, joined by Rangers beat reporter Kennedy Landry of MLB.com. You're back. You're back because you let me bother you once again. I'm so thankful. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You didn't bother me at all.
2: I know. I just wanted to hear it. That's all. Um, so before we get into the details about all things rangers, I was watching the game from home last night. Um, I feel like I finished and I tweeted out like I I heard the clip in my head. Emotional damage, emotional damage. It was very much <laughs> a roller coaster. How are you feeling after watching a game like that last night?
0: That that was a rough one. Uh, you know, it started it started very smoothly for the rangers they hopped out to a a quick lead uh spencer howard who has been struggling this year has he put together five really good innings that's probably the best we've seen from him since the rangers got him in the trade uh with the phillies last year for kyle gibson at the deadline so it seems like everything was working out really well for the rangers the first time in a few weeks and uh then it all went downhill in that eighth inning with colby allard who was optioned on sunday but then the Recalled again on Monday uh, with some roster shuffle and kind of broke down. It was a but we. Yeah, and we were, we
2: were talking about that sixth inning, um, eight runs for the A's—the most the A's have scored in an inning this season. So bad stuff for you, but a good highlight for the A's a still didn't <laughs> manage to win. It was, I was actually quite impressed with that. I'm like, wow, I get all those runs and, and can't finish with the W. However, I want to talk about Corey Seager. We've mentioned him before. He of course signed a very lucrative and long-term contract heading into the season. Do just got AL player of the week kind of had a slow start and I get that when when it comes to the beginning of the season and I feel like there's a little bit extra pressure when you do sign a contract like that but what if what has he been doing not just this past week to earn those honors but overall in the first half
0: honestly every time we talk to Corey he's like I feel really good Um, and even his his advanced statistics all the stack has measurements the hard hit the, the expected WOBA, expected like, like everything says he should have been doing this the entire year and it just hasn't worked out for him. You hate to use the term lucky or unlucky in, in baseball, but it feels like he's hitting a lot of really hard liners, like long warning track fly balls right at guys. And, you know, now they're, now they're falling. Uh, Chris Woodward said last night, you know, if you put them in the seats, they can't defend it. And he, is home, he has a home run in four straight games now, three of which the Rangers have won. It's just, it, it feels like everything is coming together for him. This is exactly what the Rangers expected when they signed Corey Seager. And, and, and talking to him, he's just like, yeah, this, it's just, it's happening. That's just how it goes. And that's how baseball is sometimes. So I don't think he was ever worried. Chris Woodward was never worried every time we asked him about Corey Seager. He was like, no, it's, Corey's looking fine. And it's going to work out. And this last week it has, like I said.
2: And it, it's mentioned, it's funny that you mentioned the unlucky and lucky thing. It's such a pro thing to say. We don't want to say unlucky and lucky, but it happens. Patre was struggling with it for a little bit. So now he's in AAA. but I do love what he's saying. Yeah. You can't have, you don't have to worry about defenders. If you hit it in the stands, nobody's there. That's beautiful. I'm going to tell my kid that when he signs up for little league, just like go yard. <laughs> Go yard. You have nothing to worry about. Um, another familiar name and, um, not just for ACE fans, but you and I have talked about him before Marcus Simeon, also a lucrative deal heading into the season, Oakland guy, ACE fans miss him terribly, but it feels like he's kind of getting his legs underneath him as well. He definitely had a slow start was, Woody ever worried about him? I'm going to assume no, but what were the talks when he was struggling and compared to now?
0: Woody was never worried about him either. I think while, while a lot of Corey's maybe perceived struggles came with maybe more mechanical, Marcus always says it's more about just feeling fine at the plate for him. It's not about the, the oh, I'm going to change my launch angle or something. He just likes to feel good. Uh, and that's what Marcus is looking like right now. I know we talked about him when the Rangers were in Oakland last time when he hit, hit his first home run of the season, which was a grand slam. Um, and now he's had And more sense so maybe maybe coming home to Oakland got him started but he's really just in the last month or so he's looking exactly like Mark Simeon again that the Rangers expected when they signed him uh he's looking like that kind of MVP candidate at the top of the lineup everything that he's doing is just he's getting the extra base hits he's getting the walks. he's he's getting on base with Corey Seager behind him and you really can't ask for for much more than that and again the, the Rangers were never really worried about either of them it was more about even getting them going at the same time I guess you would say even you know it felt like Marcus has been really good since even, even early June but then Corey kind of slumped a little and then early in the season Corey was really good but but Marcus was slumping and now we're hitting a really good sweet spot where they're both hitting the ball really well at the same time they're both knocking balls out of the park they hit back-to-back homers against the Twins over the weekend when the Rangers took that series against the AL Central leaders so I think this team kind of of goes as, as the middle of the lineup goes, in, as you expect from your $500 million duo. And I think it's working out right now.
2: I was going to say that they're definitely putting the money where their mouth is. I'm so glad they're on the same page in a certain aspect, obviously with the A's maybe back off a little, however, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned like having a fill at the plate when a veteran player like that, I've talked to so many players about adjusting how like they're hitting and their swings. And you can do the Corey Seager thing. You want to be the t- the technical mechanics and all of that. But I've noticed the guys who don't want to think so much and just simplify it and have the good feel. That's what sometimes they need to work on. I know when we had Marcus um, after we left, or he left the A's um, to come to go to Toronto, actually. He was, we were looking for a guy to have um, a leadoff spot and that ultimately was Elvis Andrews. But when it came to Simeon, when he was struggling, was Woody moving him up and down the lineup at all to see if, if that would be an adjustment for him as well?
0: No, uh, Woody was, has been pretty consistent with the top four or five pieces of this lineup. the The bottom half gets a little wonky. They change it up a bit sometimes, but. The, the Simeon your back-to-back is either one and two or two and three every time. Since Josh Smith got called up last month, he's been leading off more, more recently. He's the Rangers' number eight-ranked prospect out of LSU. They got him in the Joey Gallo trade last year at the, the, the deadline. Um, but but Josh Smith, is, he was getting on base at like a 500 clip at one point. I know it would kind of regressed to the mean just a little bit. But Josh Smith is, gets on base at an obnoxious amount of time. And when you have him hitting above – Simeon and Seager, uh, you can't, really can't ask for anything better than that. So, no, Woody hasn't changed the lineup much at, at all. Uh, besides, it's either Simeon one, Seeger two, or Smith one, Simeon two, Seeger three.
2: Um, I am the worst. I forgot that I was. I should have asked you about Josh Smith. You were literally the Josh Smith whisper. What school did he? go to? What What school did he go to again? Kennedy.
0: Uh, just a little small school out in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Uh, oh, Louisiana State oh, University oh, yes yes uh, yes
2: tell me about Josh Smith the Smith whisper her herself
0: uh, Josh Smith he started at third base as a freshman at LSU when they won the they were college runner up uh, college world series runner up they lost to Florida uh, in the championship series but he, he was an elite shortstop he missed a lot of his sophomore season at LSU with a back injury and then returned in his his junior season before going in the second round to the Yankees then he was kind of the the trade with the Yankees didn't technically have a highlight prospect it was a, it was a prospect package with Josh Smith he's the like I said the Rangers number eight prospect he called was called up last month um, and he's been doing great ever since he hit a inside the park home run last night it was his first career home run as an inside the parker which he said doesn't really feel like a real homer he's you know still trying to put one in the stands but again he's he's an elite player he's an elite defensive player and he's great basketball skills pretty phenomenal. Chris Woodward called him kind of a combination of the old school and new school kind of way. He does like to work counts, gets on base a lot, but he's not too overly analytical in the new school way. So he's a really good baseball player. And I think, you know, I think the Rangers might've won that Joey Gallo treat looking back on it right now.
2: Yeah. And we'll talk about the Gallo stuff in a little bit, but the Josh Smith thing, the mixture of old and new school, that's like the quest essential player you want on a team. And I think you mix it with the Seegers and the Marcus Sibians of the world. And my gosh, see now I'm just like envious now. Now I'm just envious <laughs> of what they got going on. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and also when you were in Oakland, like Paul Blackburn and- Martin Perez. These two guys were in early, very, very, very early Cy Young talks. Now they're on their way to the all-star selection. Martin had himself like a really good week It look like obviously with that 272 ERA, whatever. He also proposed to his longtime girlfriend, There's, you know, just like casually sounded like when I read your article. I gave her the ring last night. Like, okay, well, there it is very like old school. Like I'm a vet, like I'm an older guy. It's time to give this mama a ring. Love that. Tell me about how special this guy has been in this season and not even just the ERA, but you know, the ERA is just kind of scratching the surface.
0: Yeah, this is, it's a very special thing for Martin Perez, especially he's 31 years old. He's been in this organization for he was in this organization for seven years, the first seven years of his professional career. And then he came back this year on a one-year deal after some stops in Boston and in Minnesota, but he's kind of, I don't want to say reinvented himself, but he's kind of found who he is as a pitcher more per se. Um, He's become a lot more mature. He's a leader in this clubhouse, especially Chris Woodward talks about how much of an impact he has on kind of the young Latin pitchers in the clubhouse. I mean, it's really phenomenal what he's done. I know on the field, like you said, the ERA is just scratching the surface, but he he did emphasize how important it was for him and how special it was for him to come back home to Texas to be able to kind of revive this organization and be a part of it as they you know come out of this rebuild.
2: Okay, so two words that I, and I saw you before you and I became close, like I would tweet about Jonah Heim and you were liking them. You were like, okay, okay. I saw something in this, I guess he's a man now And this man before he came to the Rangers, like, and I loved what he was doing in the PCL and he was able to transition that power into the A's. And I know during that Elvis Andrews deal, he was part of that package and the trade. A lot of people were devastated, especially Bob Melvin, because that guy loves a good catcher. I want to shout it from the rooftops that I knew back that back then Now he, he came close to, I believe all-star talks. So tell me about why he was becoming so close in possibly going to L.A. this season.
0: I think something, I think maybe what prevented him from going to L.A. is that he didn't enter the season as the starter at catcher. Obviously, the Rangers traded for Mitch Garver, a former Silver Slugger winning catcher this offseason. And again, when you have a chance to add that kind of talent offensively at the position, they had to do it. And Jonah Himes always been an elite defensive catcher. I think you knew that. Even though he had the power, he didn't exactly always have the exact bat-to-ball skills as he's kind of displaying right now. Then um, Mitch Garver went down with a forearm injury. He did have surgery, successful surgery on Monday, I should say, and he's out for the year. But since Garver went down, Jonah's really just slid into the, the starting role and pretty much done it seamlessly. He already has a career high in home runs, career high and batting average, slugging, XYZ, whatever you name it. Um, he's having a real career year. And I think it says something that the person who beat him out on going to LA is Jose Trevino, who Jonah did beat out for the backup spot uh, this spring. So, again, I think the Rangers, there's a lot to say about the Rangers having a, a plethora of talent at catcher that, you know, both of these guys were in all-star consideration. And, you know, one of them did have to get dealt. And that's, that's how baseball goes. But Jonah Heim did deserve to be in that conversation for sure. And, I, I mean, I personally think he should have, been on his way to LA I mean that the battery duo of Martin Perez and Jonah Heim definitely deserve to be up there but he he's really I guess grown into his own I would say this season I I watched him every game he caught last year and there's no knock with him I saw him hit back-to-back walk-off home runs against Seattle last year I mean he's been phenomenal but even the way he's grown behind the plate his relationship with the pitchers um and how he deals with the pitching staff and then again he's been one of the Rangers' most consistent hitters this year again. He hits in the middle of the lineup almost every day. So there's not much more good I can say about Jenna Heim and his development this year.
2: Yeah, you pretty much named it all, but you know, you did mention the defensive aspect which I was always impressed with, didn't talk about a lot. But he's still young and the thing that I've always been really impressed with with some of these young catchers, the way that they're able to create the chemistry with a veteran guy like Martin Perez How have the pitchers adjusted to him so well? Because despite his young age, he doesn't play like that. When you're a game planner, you have to be careful with that. And it feels like he's done a good job with that as well.
0: I mean, we talked to Martin Perez last week before the all-star teams were announced. And he was like, I just told told Jonah, I'll follow you. You tell me what to do and I'll follow you because I trust you. And I think that just says so much about, again, a guy like Jonah, him and catcher's coach, Bobby Wilson and Mitch Garver, the entire catching staff. Really, they create real comprehensive game plans along with the pitching staff and the pitching coaches. And I think, I mean, when you when you prepare as much as these guys do, it's really hard not to trust them. They do their homework. They know what the uh, the opposing team's hitters are going to do. Uh, and Jonah's an elite game caller. There's no way around that. And again, I don't think you can understate how important Bobby Wilson has been to his development as well as you know the success of some of the pitchers and again the teamwork between everybody in this situation is really amazing
2: yeah really really proud of him and I'm sure daddy Heim has slid into your DMs a lot asking about Jonah because you want to talk about a supportive family I miss them very much once again shout out Nancy love you Um, I mentioned trade rumors I also mentioned Joey Gallo one of the he's hot, hot on the trade rumor. And that's a lot to do with the fact that he's struggling right now. And one of the names, one of the names that has been brought up, believe it or not, is his former team, the Rangers. And the A's would a hate that because they were really excited to get rid of him. He's an A's killer. I also like kind of freak out every time I see the shift adjusted to him. Would the Rangers, not just the, the front office, the team, whatever, but talk about the front office, the team, and the fans. Would they all welcome him back with open arms should an acquisition like this take place?
0: I don't think there's a, a player as controversial as Joey Gallo on baseball Twitter right about now. And I think that with the Rangers fans as well, I mean, I said I would not contribute to Joey Gallo discourse unless he comes back to this team because I do not need the, storm that would go on in my mentions but for the most part I do think Rangers fans would welcome Joey back and I think the front office would too but I think I struggle to believe they would make a trade for him at the deadline depending on the price I think if the price is right um, anything can happen but the again. The Rangers got a solid group of of prospects for Joey Gallo. Glenn Otto is tonight's pitcher. I know he's been struggling a bit since coming off the COVID list, but he has been a a good you know addition to the rotation this year. Josh Smith, Ezekiel Duran, a top 100 prospect who made his MLB debut earlier this year, is now back in AAA. So the Rangers again. The Rangers got a great pile of prospects for Joey, and I struggled to see them giving the same uh capital up to get him back especially with him being a free agent after this year i think a far more likely outcome is them attempting to sign him back in free agency following the conclusion of the season which the rangers did offer him an extension before you know the trade went down last year which scott boris and him decided they would not accept um i don't think he'll reach anywhere close to that at this point um i think he he's likely to command a little less money than he would have last year considering his performance with the Yankees this last 162 games or however many it's been but I I do think he's a lot of people in the front office and the coaching staff really love Joey Gallo I don't think it would be a problem bringing him back it's whether they would want to spend prospect capital to get him here at the deadline I should say
2: yeah. And, and I totally spaced about that. The free agency thing, imagine trading him away, just waiting a little bit, waiting a little bit and, ha- and getting able to bring him back and then works out for everybody. If he does want a little bit less monetary value to humble himself after being with the agencies. <laughs> and I know, you know, I just think about the crowd too. It's a little bit more forgiving in Texas everywhere is compared to New York. I see a lot of former <laughs> A's there and I'm like, I'm glad they're doing well because if they weren't, I'd I'd be really sad. So I'm glad for all of that. (laughs)
0: Kennedy, thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: And last but not least, our guy, Brian Johansson, you see him out in left field, but he is the owner of Last Dive Bar, one of our sponsors and what he does every dime he raises, goes back either to the A's community fund or someone connected to the A's community fund. So it's not going back to him or his, his partner. It's going back to charity. What they're doing for Last Dive Bar is amazing. Support them. Lastdivebar.com. Here is Brian Johansson.
2: Thanks, Tony. Welcome back. Jessica Kleinschmidt here as Ace Total Access continues. I'm joined by a very prominent member of the Ace community. He will be very blushy when I mention that. But a very well-known Ace fan, Brian Johansson. You guys might know him as one of the brains behind The Last Dive Bar, a huge partner of Ace Cast. So, Brian, thanks for joining me today.
5: Wow, uh yeah, so I am blushing and uh thank you so much Jess that's uh that was quite the intro I must say.
2: <laughs> I wish I had more words to put it into and I'm not just saying that cuz they have you on you've been unbelievable to me and not just in my career but just as a friend and I just wanted to say thank you. I probably should have saved that for the end but whatever we're we're <laughs> doing it now. But I'm going to continue the blushing because before I get into everything you're doing for the AIDS community fund and everything else, you popped on my radar as quite frankly, this insane left field bleachers guy who was always creating these amazing signs, but I don't think I've ever met anybody who loves Ramon Loriano more than you. So tell me more about your fandom for our outfielder.
5: <laughs> yeah. So to, uh, so to clarify, there's a few people, his mother is definitely one. I mean, she, she loves uh ramon to death and and he loves her and so i mean i mean he sparked the whole brawl brawl against the astros a few years ago as a result of it so um you know so definitely i want to put that out there but you know so it all started with his, his his walk off uh his walk off first hit you know that that double against the wall um i just saw something in him that was just so refreshing to see from a baseball player I mean, that guy is 120% just tunnel vision when it comes to baseball. Nothing else matters, like, in the world except baseball. So to go to a game or watch a game and then see a player just exude so much um, just, just uh, willingness to play the game and play it so hard – um, I just gravitated towards that energy, and you know, I never was a banner guy, and so he he basically was the player that that kind of got me over that threshold, saying, "Hey, let me figure out, let me let me try to make a banner." And I did that in 2019, and 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 the banner, you know, came out pretty good to where you know he you know Ramon and the A's brought me onto the field actually on my birthday in 2019 uh-huh. or 2000 yeah 2019 and um and and he actually signed that first banner I made of it.
2: Yeah. And I I saw him recently and I feel like he he lights up when he sees you as well. And I think it's so cool. And I'm right there with you. You want to talk about a full-on player. If I ever played in the league, I would either want to be Ramon or have a guy like that on my team. And there's just no nonsense with him. He just works so hard. So I'm right there with you. Now you now with these banners during the pandemic season, Dave Cavill A's president wanted to make sure that Y'all, your presence was still there. And that meant the left field bleachers, the right field bleachers, these signs that every single player that's ever played in in the Coliseum's outfield has seen. So talk to me about how important was it for, to bring these signs back? Cause Cavill let you guys come back and bring some of that signage during the 2020 season.
5: Yeah, he sure did. And, and, and also uh, in the 2021 season as well, because we still kind of had that COVID thing there. So banners would go up and they would have to pretty much stay there. However, they would let us kind of swap them out. But we, even that, we had to coordinate with the team and, and their officials and be respectful and mindful of the protocols in place. And so actually, uh, you know, George and the Oakland 68s and and Jenny from left field, so they basically coordinated a lot with uh, Dave Cavill and also, uh, you know, uh, Renetti as well, and uh, to, to allow us to come in there and, and, and put those up. And it, it was, I mean, honestly, it was – it was an honor to even be a part of that. Uh, there was only literally, I think I want to say seven of us, eight of us that were allowed in there and literally were the only people other than the ones putting up the cardboard cutouts that were in the entire stadium. we had to sign waivers. We had to, you know, it it was a complete, you know, it was, it was literally putting up, uh, banners in a pandemic, uh, and uh, but it was it was great because I mean banners is a way to show our appreciation not only for the players the team the nostalgia of things that are that are so Oakland A's um, but also um, moments that have happened uh, just in 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 the seasons as well and we you know both left field and right field we try to capture those moments and and put them on vinyl or put them on sheets or put them on whatever and, and literally. Uh, hanging on those uh, Coliseum rails, you know, and 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 we take great pride in, in 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 what we do and the relationship we have with the with the players. Even if nothing said, like uh, Jed Lowry, you know, I'm kind of going off topic, but you know, Jed Lowry wanted his banner, never yeah. mentioned anything about his banner, and literally reached out to us and said, "I want that banner hanging up." And so we printed him a new one and gave him a fresh one because that one was pretty dirty that was hanging up.
2: Right. When, when Jed Lowry asks for something, you go along with it. That's really cool. He's that's a really huge compliment coming from a veteran like that. And, you know, I've talked to many players current and former about the presence that the bleachers have Christian Pache recently lit up when he was talking about all the love y'all gave him obviously for a new guy. So early on Ryan Sweeney, he was on the show recently. And of course, Eric Burns remembers everybody out there very, very well. And I love that it's been the same over time, no matter, no matter what year it was, no matter what the record was, it's, it stayed the same. Can you try to define what the outfield bleachers are for someone who may not attend a lot of A's games?
5: Wow. Um, wow. That is a great question. And it's and such a broad answer. <laughs> I'll try to answer. And I think that that's beautiful one. that yeah.
2: there's so much that can go into that, you know?
5: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. You know, it, it starts off with friends and family and it starts off with the affinity that those friends and families um, have with baseball. And there's just something with baseball that kind of just brings out so much uh, within your personal life that, that um, it just, it man, it's, it's, it's different. It's not just sitting back Back and just watching the game i mean it's like it's it's an event out there and and it was like that when i was a kid looking up in those bleachers and seeing the guys in the 80s uh you know having the handyland banner the bad boys club they had a banner a famous one out there that said you know uh, do 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 the uh do the wave go to jail and you know i mean <laughs> I the funny, that and sign. <laughs> irony, yeah and so the irony about that whole situation is crazy george was the one that invented the wave Uh, Right. And, and literally we have banners that said, do the wave, go to jail. So there's so much funny stuff. We're always collaborating on stuff. We do. If you look up there at right field, they have chance for every player. They have chance for every moment, like within the game. And so people are so attached to the game, but yet so attached to what's going on within the organization and, um, and the past and everything and, and just celebrating that almost in every game. And, and so even so much that, you know, this year, obviously, you know the record doesn't it's not what we want it to be but like we're making the most of it we're having friday night theme nights uh we're, do, we're we're going to party city we're buying uh all this uh you know decorations we're getting in costume and we're making banners that that reflect whatever the theme that we're having or if you know the theme uh is already exists that the a's have in place we just go on top of that and then just try to go all out with with what we're doing and celebrate the occasion and it's just the bleachers is just man it's a a great place to be you got drums you got horns you got zuzovellas you got cowbells you have such colorful and bright people um and and really you have that amongst the fan base of of the a's and so many teams but um the a's just allow fans to kind of be who they are and 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 they also allow the players to be who they are and they celebrate that you know um, we're trendsetters. Like I would say, you know, first team to have white cleats first team to have mustaches. So, I yeah. mean, there's so many things throughout the decades that you can touch on, you know?
2: Yeah. And, and you mentioned it and being in the left field bleachers, I was just there recently with y'all and you guys unfortunately put me on the jumbotron (laughs) did not appreciate that. Um, But I also know, I felt felt so loved and accepted and just, I was there, obviously, like just checking everything out as the reporter, but just also as a fan and everybody was so sweet. Like I got selfies with people and everybody was thanking me for the retweets of, of their beautiful artwork and everything like that. And it's something, if you guys are ever at the Coliseum and it's your first time tweet at me and I will, escort you myself to the left field bleachers and they will welcome you with open arms so you're right it's it's difficult to put into a few few words but you did a beautiful job trying um now, well, now tell me about well, this the philanthropic work that you guys are doing with the a's the community fund obviously the last dive bar there's a lot that y'all have going on and giving back to the community
5: definitely before i get into that though i want to say thank you, you just because you didn't have to but you did you came down when uh, when my son was on the field you saw us And you came over there, you signed my son's hat. That was super awesome. Um, Amelia Schimmel, she also signed his hat. And you guys are up there with Jed Lowry, Ramon, Terry Steinbach just signed up my son's hat. So Uh for you to come over, take the time out of your schedule and your day to do that and make that moment special for my son, that meant a lot. Okay, well,
2: you need to stop because I'm a little emotional right now. So just like, let's
5: just keep this going, Brian. Get back to the community, Brian.
3: Get back to all the philanthropic work,
5: Brian. (laughs) Yes, yes. Baseball's last eye bar. So basically, um, uh, Jack Nikas, he works for the New York Times, and he was stationed out here in the Bay Area working on tech, but he's also in love with the A's, in love with the Coliseum, and he felt that there was a charm and a beauty to the Coliseum, and that needed to be said, needed to be honored. So he wrote a beautiful um, piece on the Oakland Coliseum, and he was comparing it to other stadiums, where other stadiums are like a cocktail lounge, and the Oakland call seems like a dive bar, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of like baseball's last dive bar, to where it's like, yes, it's 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 run down, it's old, it's 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 ran its course. However, there's a certain charm to it that um that that not other stadiums can replicate. And yeah. so we at last dive bar and as A's fans, we take that and we own it. And that's what we did. We saw that and I saw that line and that just that line stood out to me. So I contacted Jack and I said, Hey Jack, can we make a banner out of this? And he was like, Yeah, sure. So um oakland green man i think he made it on a bed sheet but we were working on it, an actual vinyl banner and 209 tacos he's one of the other two members with me and a stand by paul. design
2: big paul fan. yeah
5: yeah so so carl is Ace a by design so he he didn't come into the fold yet so it was just me and paul at the time and we were going back and forth like what can we do as a banner and we were thinking bar like i was thinking bar okay how can we put ace players in a bar And he was driving one day and he and he um, thought of an Elvis poster, an old weathered Elvis poster on a wall. And he said, I got it. Let's just put the Coliseum. We'll take off all the insignias. Let's put the Coliseum on a shirt and just put that line on there. And then the rest was history. We've donated upwards of like 70, you know, seventy thousand dollars. In less than two years time and mm-hmm. this is with the pandemic and everything and we've worked with uh, individual players charities um obviously the ace community fund and basically what we do is every um we do like little mini campaigns on certain things and i always save whatever the partner of the game is they're affiliated charities of the ace um, um the ace community fund and so we'll build campaigns around those charities um, or around current events around uh, things that are going on with the the players of the team um, and and we 've gone so far as to getting licensing with like Starling Marte uh, to do his collection to celebrate his twenty stolen bases in two leagues, and we could you know use his name so it 's like crazy how far it's transcended into an actual like brand that people are wearing. I mean we had people in Australia buy our shirt in um, yeah. Canada and u k so It's really taken on a life of its own, but it's really not necessarily us. It's just the embodiment of A's culture, A's fandom, the tradition, the nostalgia. And so baseball's last dive bar is bigger than us. I mean, it means something to everybody. It's like, what does... The Coliseum and going to games mean to you and your family, and so we try to hit on that stuff. Like we did the 1968 license plate, the year the stadium opened, and driving to the Coliseum, and the proceeds that we raised for that will go to SOS Meals on Wheels in Oakland and Alameda, and so those funds will go to help um, providing meals to the elderly within the East Bay, Mm -hmm. and they provide over 180,000 meals a year. So it's kind of cool to like get to know these charities that are in the community, um, get to know who's behind them, and then just you know, the, the, being able to like, you know, pass a check over, it means a lot.
2: Yeah. And sorry. I get, no, I get emotional. I'm sorry. No, please, please don't <laughs> it apologize. It's, it's really, yeah. I, and I, that's what I was it, actually getting than baseball. It's so much it's bigger, bigger than, than baseball. And I wanted to show, I, I hope you guys could ever understand, like Brian is, he walks the, the walk, he talks the talk and he's genuine. Like you said, I, I think about Tony <laughs> Kent. I think about Tony Kemp a lot with when it compares to you, because I have to remind myself that Tony Kemp is actually a baseball player because he's such a good man because he's such a good man. And, and that's what it reminds me of you. Like I, you know, you're a good guy. You genuinely, you mean what you say you're legit. And, you know, there needs to be more Brian Johansons out in this, <laughs> in this world. And I, and I genuinely mean, it. and I love that you're putting baseball on the map. And, you know, like I said, you make me feel so happy to do my job and knowing that you're there every night is is dope as well. And, and, you know, you're, you're a good dad, a good husband, all the things. So I know that's totally whatever, but, you know, and I really appreciate yeah. you stopping by today. It's been awesome.
5: Definitely. And, and, and Tony Kent, that started off. I just, I personally donated a hundred bucks to his, his, uh, you know, with the, um, uh, one tree planted and, and then next thing, you know, we raised $8,000. Yeah. That. Yeah. And so that was insane. So, Like Tony Kemp is on a whole nother level when it comes to philanthropy and just an all around good dude. And he's got a beautiful family, beautiful, beautiful child. And so, uh, you know, love Tony Kemp. And you obviously know
2: I adore Michelle Kemp as well. She's my absolute favorite. (laughs)
5: Yeah, she's she's so awesome, man. And getting to know the players and some of their, you know, uh, like Chris Bassett, what Chris Bassett did to to Last Eye Bar was just amazing and really oh, yeah. it was jessica bassett she bought the shirt oh yeah and she bought for the wedding Delicans as well and and next thing you know they're wearing the t-shirt and chris Bassett's on the post game and it was like oh my god so like what that did for us and what we were able to do for the community as a result of that that was just monumental in the whole dive bar uh you know story
2: yeah and and it's definitely still resonating we actually have some last dive bar stuff all around my room and i'm very <laughs> thankful for it yeah. but You you actually
5: framed, you actually framed it,
2: right? I did. It's in my mom, one of them's in my mom's guest room that I use sometimes when I'm on the road (laughs) visiting her. So it's definitely always a part of it. And it's great because I have a backdrop for when I do stuff on the road. Um, But Brian, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for stopping by.
5: Definitely. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. And thank you, AceCast.
4: This has been a presentation of the Oakland
3: Athletics.